It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Wellington Phoenix are home. They had a double header yesterday uh, on Sky Sport as well. Um, uh, but the main draw card, of course, was uh, the match against uh, Adelaide. First game at home with a decent old crowd for quite some time. And uh, it looked pretty good. Uh, to talk uh, us through more about that and uh, happenings in other football events over the weekend uh, is Jacob Spoonley. Uh, Jacob, uh, we had you on uh, over the last week. Of course, you were very, very busy. You had other things on your mind. But, uh, mate, it's good that you can um, actually give us uh, some more of your time today and, and uh, just assess, assess that Phoenix first performance on the back of a pretty early red card to Juan Sass. Good morning, Smithy. Yeah, a little bit less busy today, which is fantastic. Um, I think the Phoenix will look at that 90 minutes as a point gain rather than two points lost. Obviously, they conceded very late on, but as you touched on, it was played for 70-odd minutes uh, with 10 men from the Phoenix's point of view. And I think just touching on that incident, that very pivotal moment in the match, Jan Sass on debut, hadn't seen much of the ball and was chasing down a really poor piece of play from Adelaide United who had started the game really strongly and were dominating both in terms of possession and then choking the Phoenix play at the same time. So Dorigo uh, passed a bouncing ball across the halfway line. It was a chance for a counter-attack. Jan Sass saw that, charged in to try and win the ball, got to the ball a fraction ahead of... Yavi Lopez, and then unfortunately lost his balance and just slipped, taking out um, Lopez's standing leg. And it really felt like there was no option for Ben Abrams, the referee, to do apart from produce a red card. But there was frustration in and around that because it was self-inflicted by Adelaide. There was no malicious intent from Jan Sass. He was on debut, and the Phoenix really hadn't seen the ball for large chunks of the game. So it was almost like you were driving a nail into the coffin of the first game for the Phoenix. But boy, they bounced back in that second half. And I've got to say, it was off the back of the introduction of a number of young, exciting Kiwi players. We saw Clayton Lewis return ahead of schedule and he joined Ben Wayne coming on in the early stages of the second half along with Ben Old and with another Kiwi player, this time the returning um, Costa Barbarousas, his second homecoming Lewis, Wayne and Barbarousas combined to put the Phoenix ahead and it was a really well-deserved goal based off a fantastic moment in play for the Phoenix. So that was looking like the way in which the game was going to go. They were 1-0 up, heading into the last five minutes, heading into the last uh, couple of moments after Ollie Sale took one right in the breadbasket 
and there are some lingering effects I've been told. Um, and then Ben Halloran slotted with a very cool finish to draw it back 1-1. So, as I said, more of a point gained than two points dropped. However, there is a bit of a sour taste given that the Phoenix did concede so late on. Okay, um, and I saw that goal. Uh, actually, I saw all the goals and all the happenings. Uh, I'm pleased to say, but I just wonder from a goalkeeping point of view, um, it was beautifully put yeah. away. Um, on, uh, it really was. But I just wonder from a set piece whether there had been a, perhaps a defensive error in leaving that post exposed? Well, it's an interesting one. I actually think that the issue came about because the Phoenix were a man down. And Tully does like to pack the box. So... There are a number of Phoenix players in and around the six yard. They do really defend the castle with numbers. Because they didn't have their 11th man, they conceded the space at the top of the 18 yard, and that gave Halloran time and space to slot the ball past a number of advancing defenders and then ultimately beyond Ollie's sales. So, yeah, you can um, question the tactics about not having someone on the post. I don't uh, favour having someone on the post. I like having the ability to go out and stop the ball affect the ball before it gets anywhere near the post um, but it is a, it is something that a number of people do favour and I think it's a good question to ask Elsewhere in the league um, Melbourne City uh, 2-1 over Western United um, as I go through the list, in fact the Central Coast Mariners uh, and Newcastle had their game postponed so when they play the Phoenix this week that will be their first outing so anything else on the other results that surprised you? Uh, I think the unfortunate piece was the lack of atmosphere for Western Sydney Wanderers. It was a really sparse crowd over at Combank Stadium. It is one of the better stadiums in the A-League. Um, and with the rebuild, with the recruitment that Mark Rudan has invested in over the off-season, I was hoping for perhaps closer to the numbers that the Phoenix got um, for that Western Sydney game. But I think the big uh, game was... Melbourne victory against Sydney FC. They're kind of two marquee clubs. Victoria against New South Wales. They win at each other, and it produced a really wonderful game. Five goals, um, some great pieces of play. And then, as we hoped, the uh, marquee signings really stepped up and showed their value. We had Mack and Lolly uh, for Sydney FC, and then um, Nani, uh, who is going to draw uh, people into stadiums this season. He popped up with a really important assist uh, and a which led to a goal for Melbourne victory. Okay, uh, Ricardo's part of this conversation as well. And Ricardo, I just wonder whether you had any comment about the Phoenix performance uh, that you'd want to bring up with Jacob. Yeah, I, I was really surprised, Jacob, to, um, when Ufuk Tele decided to bring Oscar Zwada off because I thought playing into the wind in that second half, he was holding the ball up really well and giving that Adelaide defence a lot of problems. Um, whereas I thought bringing Wayne on, well, he did well, you know, it's his pace getting in behind. And I didn't think with the wind that would be so much of a factor. So were you surprised to see Zwada come off when he did? I think Zwada was the pick of the new imports. He definitely um, provided more impact um, than potentially Jan Sass, although he was only on the field for 25 minutes. Um, but Krajev, I think, was handled very well by Adelaide United. So I do think you can raise an eyebrow, having gone down to 10 men, having such a physical uh, outlet up front in Zavada, who did well. Very unfortunate not to get more from the chance that he basically basically created off the back of a wonderful pass from Nick Pennington. However, I think the statement was really clear from Ufuk Tale at that point. Um, Adelaide United had, had the better of the game. The Phoenix were down to 10 men. He was still going through a process of bedding in a number of these imports. What he wanted was familiarity with his tactics 
and he wanted energy and enthusiasm. And that's why I think we saw Ben Wayne and Ben Old coming on um, so early into the second half. And it was a clear indication that the Phoenix were going to plan B, which was set up in the way in which we did last season, concede a lot of the space and possession to Adelaide United, invite them on, and then hit them on the counter-attack. And whilst we didn't see that necessarily for the goal, we definitely saw that direct play play out. Ben Wayne doing wonderfully well to hold up the ball and then bring in the likes of Lewis and Barbarousas for the goal. So I think at the moment, uh, at that moment when the sub was made, yeah, there were a couple of eyebrows being raised, um, uh, one of them in the commentary box. But I think the tactics ultimately did work for Tully. Uh You also mentioned uh, the Central Coast Mariners in Newcastle. They, their game was postponed due to all the heavy rain. The pitch was unplayable. Does that give the Phoenix an advantage going into the second round match, given that Central Coast won't have played a game yet? <laughs> yeah, maybe. However, Ricardo, as we mentioned in the post game yesterday, if you look over the last two games between the Wellington Phoenix and the Central Coast Mariners, I think it's uh, an advantage of nine goals for Central Coast. Nick Montgomery has had Ufuk Tale's number in the previous games between the two clubs, winning 4-0 and 5-0. Um, Central Coast Mariners do bring huge energy, enthusiasm. They play the game with license and freedom. And with Jason Cummings, and I'm not sure if Grand Qual is going to be available, but in Kololo, they do have some fluid, dynamic attacking threats, and the Phoenix just haven't seemed to have been able to contain them. So you'd like to have the game under your belt from the Central Coast Mariners' point of view. However, they'll look to last season and say, yeah, we're pretty comfortable with how we attack and approach the Phoenix. And you said that uh, Ollie Sale uh, copped, the, uh, copped a, uh, a shot in the bread basket. I, is he the only person that you know that keeps meat and two veg in his bread basket? <laughs> Look, as a goalkeeper, it's a, a demand that's placed upon you. Use any part of the body to keep the ball out. Um, and Ollie, um, he definitely used his full anatomy yesterday. I think the frustrating thing for me, having watched it back, is that Craig Goodwin popped up and gave him a tap on the head as if he was um, time-wasting because the goal actually came off the back of that save and then the delay as Ollie got treatment. Uh, and that was completely unnecessary from my point of view. I think Ollie was, <laughs> Ollie's predicament was pretty clear. And um, that could sort of carry on uh, just not really appropriate at all. Right, let's uh, go to um, the football ferns, can we, uh, Jacob, just for a second, because uh, we, we previewed that match against uh, Japan at the weekend. Uh, all the reports uh, I have is that uh, we're a little bit disappointing in terms of creativity. Yeah, I think we were. I think, Smitty, you touched on it on Friday, that this Japanese team are a good side. They're former world champions. And I think if we look at this Ferns squad, not necessarily the team that played, but the squad, you're without the likes of um, Rebecca Stott, who's got a knee injury. Daisy Cleverly has also got a knee injury. Emily Longo and Rio Percival have both got ACL injuries and will be out for some time. Uh Add to that CJ Bott and Ali Riley, who are out for that particular game, although they have travelled to Japan. And within that particular group, I think you've got two things. You've got a lot of experience, and then you've got a lot of authority. And the players that we saw on the field for the football ferns, I'd say they're really good lieutenants. Um, but they need someone to anchor them. They need to play off those players. And I think if we're looking at Annalie Longo, if we're looking at Rhea Percival, they both start in midfield. If we're talking about Rebecca Stott and then you add in Abby Ersig, um, who has not been available for the Ferns for some time, 
they will both start at centre-back from my perspective. Yes, Claudia Bunge did well, but it's that combination um, of the direction and the leadership that the players who are absent provide. Uh, and I think we saw that play out in Japan. Um, it was a, a game, um, there was enthusiasm from the ferns, there was tenacity from certain players, uh, and India Page Riley, uh, who played out wide. I think hopefully we can see her with more of a central presence in future. And I think we also miss Jackie Hand, who was ruled out of the squad, um, having had a wonderful season in Finland. I'd love to see her playing with uh, Paige Satchel and India Paige Riley. I think there's a real dynamic that could be established there. Um, but for me, this kind of follows a bit of a pattern where we haven't seen our key players playing together and building off of good results. It's been a bit of a patchwork football firms for the last couple of windows where we've had some serious injuries and we've had some players absent through COVID and um, because of other means. We just aren't building that momentum at the moment. And I think Kiwi football fans are really looking for that. They're wanting to be excited about the World Cup. Uh, and I think the next windows are going to be really important as this football firms team needs to try and figure out um, who that starting 11 is and start creating those combinations and creativity and that chemistry that's going to be important for this big tournament that we're hosting. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I sort of equate it to uh, the Cricket World Cup uh, in some regard, Jacob, because uh, here we are, uh, we're, we've, we've got a team uh, hosting a World Cup and probably it's unlikely we're going to win it, um, you know, as it was with the Cricket World Cup. But we need them to be competitive. We simply need them uh, to score goals, uh, you know, to, to push more fancied rivals. We do, we do. And I think that's why uh, Yekka Klimkova has gone out and kind of identified that as an issue. So I don't think it's an issue that's been ignored. It's been identified and we're working towards a solution. And I really like what I've seen from... India Page Riley. It's really confusing, Smithy. We've got two Greens and we've got two Rileys in the squad now, so we need to be very careful about how we refer to people. But India Page Riley, um, the Kiwi-born Aussie developed uh, prospect, currently playing in Denmark. Um, she was playing wide, and I'd love to see her kind of operating either alongside Hannah Wilkinson or Paige Satchel up top because she makes the game very simple. She's a creative player. She's there to create chances or she's there to convert them. And it's that sort of simplicity that is so important. And it's going to be that one-mindedness and that aggressive and almost arrogance that's going to be important for us in this tournament. We need to build that collective culture of being ruthless and really making demands of each other, particularly in that final third. Um, and this is something that I think is going to be worked on in this upcoming week when the Ferns do have a couple of games behind closed doors and they're going to have a decent week together. Building off of that week almost in a club environment um, is so important for an international team because they don't get opportunities to get together often and the time that they do spend is so short. So hopefully we will see that chemistry and combination built out of this week, albeit that we won't actually see it because there's no manifestation in a game at the end of it. Right, let's get on to uh, the Premier League, of course, and uh, I know Ricardo's dead keen all of a sudden to get involved in this conversation after matches uh, over, <laughs> overnight in particular. And that was uh, a bit of a setback for your boys in red. Yeah, it was. It was. I can hear him chomping at the bit in the background, Smitty. He's just waiting to get on there. Uh, look, I think it was a game when Liverpool tried to really assert themselves. You could see 
that they were wanting to take the game to Arsenal. They said they were trying to make a statement to take Arsenal on and knock them off at home. It didn't quite come off. And what I saw this morning was a continuation of the issues that Liverpool have faced. There's a lack of identity so far this year. They don't know what they want to do in terms of the way in which they're setting up. And again, injuries have really kind of plagued them in this initial part of the season where we've seen players get two or three games in a row, and then they've been ruled out with an injury. They've had to come back in and start up again. Um, but I think we saw an Arsenal team that has shown real resolve, and they've, they've made their own statement. They are going to be part of this top four come hell or high water at the end of the season. And Mikel Arteta, um, you saw that on the sideline. He knew what this game meant. He was jumping up and down. He was fighting with Klopp, fighting with the referees in the last 10 minutes. He wanted the win today. And for Arsenal fans... I think that's really promising. Arteta just about had boots on, mate. There was at one point, I can't remember who it was, might have been Diaz, went down the wing, and I thought Arteta was going to tackle him. He was so far out of the out of his technical area. Um, what What is it that, uh, do you think, has... Uh, on, it's a two-fold question, really. What's changed for both clubs? Because Arsenal last year, you know, started horribly, and they really struggled throughout the season. But Arteta's got them humming. I mean, is it just the addition of Jesus, somebody that's going to close from the front? Or, is, you know, he's kind of reinvented Granite Xhaka as well. What What do you think the big change has been at Arsenal this season? I think the big change for both clubs has been the managers. We knew what Liverpool were before Jurgen Klopp got there. They were listless. They were floating somewhere between 4th and 10th. And that's not what a big club like Liverpool with the tradition that they have wants. And they got a manager that had a really clear identity and had a really clear vision of how he wanted the club to go about building. We've seen that replicated with Arteta. In terms of transformation, it's a word that's thrown around a lot. And the impatience of the media and fans at times has meant that transformations haven't been seen out. Arteta's been given seasons. And last season, I think we saw him answer tough questions. What do you do with Aubameyang? What do you do with Lacazette? Because these are players that have been paid by the club. There's been a huge amount of investment in them, but they simply didn't perform to the extent that they're expected. They were expected forwards, French forwards in particular, in the, in the mould of Thierry Henry to really take Arsenal forward. And he said, all right, guys, I've given you opportunity. It hasn't worked out. We're moving on. And he went younger, and he went um, with players that were, had determination and more energy. Odegaard. I think Xhaka was looking for an excuse to be that midfield enforcer, uh, Ricardo. And then he's brought in and backed the dynamic players, um, the youngsters uh, in Arsenal. And what I think we've seen from this Arsenal team is that desperation to win. And look, I'm going to be completely frank. I'm trying to be as effective as possible. That wasn't a penalty for me. Um, the difference in the game today was that uh, third goal for Arsenal that took them up. But Jesus wanted to win the penalty. He simply rolled around. He made the biggest... Um, story and, and argument that he could to win the penalty for Arsenal, which was then converted and by Saka. And that was the difference, is that desperation to win. And it's been a, unapologetic from Arsenal this year. What about from Liverpool? Because we've seen Jurgen Klopp sort of change the way he sets up as well. I've noticed, you know, uh, traditionally he's played three very workmanlike midfielders, but today we saw them start with Jordan Henderson as that workmanlike midfielder uh, and then have more attacking players around them with just uh, Thiago next to him. So you've effectively got four attacking players as opposed to three and three. Um, how's that working, do you think? His second or third game in a row that he's tried that. It's changing game to game, and it's also changing within games. And 
it's that sort of indecision from the sideline that can really affect not only individual performances, but also collective performances. So I think at times uh, today we saw Liverpool go from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3. They ended up in a 4-4-2 defensively the majority of the game and then used that in the last 20 minutes in position as well. As a player, I'm thinking just stick to one. Let's refine one. It's not working for us. Let's not chop and change. Let's stick with one approach to games for a good spell so that we can better and we can understand who the players are that will um, take us forward and make us better. But at the moment, it just seems like they are moving between personnel and formation and tactics um, far too often. And that indecision not only plays out with the fans starting to scratch their heads, the players on the field get confused. And I think Klopp is also unsure of how to operate this team. He's gone for an evolved version of his Liverpool side. He's brought in Nunez and he wants to play Nunez with Luis Diaz and Salah and he wants to get Jota involved at the moment as well. And the balance just isn't right for Liverpool and I think that's apparent for everyone to see. So it'll be interesting to see what Klopp sticks with or chooses and I think he's then got to stick with it. Um, But maybe the World Cup and the break that that's going to provide is going to be a good thing for this Liverpool side so they can recalibrate off the back end of it. Yeah, we're only like nine games into it. We're not even uh, 25% of the way through uh, a very busy schedule, uh, gentlemen. And, uh, Jacob, I'll bring this one up because uh, you you know what uh, Ricardo's like. He hates to pump his chest out and say we're great. So uh, Manchester United this morning, um, having to hold out a a fairly uh, willing Everton uh, towards the end. So uh, I just wonder about uh, Frank Lampard's uh, surety of his position there um, on the back of evidence struggling again, it looks like, this season. Um, Manchester United and uh, Ricardo, uh, Ricardo uh, also you can come in on this because, of course, Ronaldo on in the 29th minute and scoring the winner. Yes, 700th goal for, 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 for club in his career, which is just... Uh, unbelievable the figures around his career he's played 943 club games professional level and scored 700 goals and he's played 191 international games for Portugal and scored 117 the guy's just a machine Jacob he is and I think everyone's talking about Haaland at the moment on the other side of Manchester in the blue obviously I think there was an amazing piece of analysis done and that was that Haaland would have to score something like 42 goals per season for the rest of his career and play until uh, 37 years old, which is where Ronaldo's currently at, in order to even match Ronaldo. So we talk about Haaland and how amazing he is. He really is only uh, achieved a fraction of what Ronaldo has done. We've been so lucky to have Ronaldo and Messi um, playing football in this generation and going up against each other. It's like the Federer and Nadal um, for us, uh, and we are fortunate in that regard. I think looking uh, who else played the game this morning, I do agree. Um, I think Lampard's been given um, some leeway because Everton have been focused on other things. They're building a stadium. I think they're actually trying to correct a lot of their administrative staff and their football operations team because that, as I understand, has been a real mess behind the scenes. And I think we've seen that bear out with their recruitment. They've spent a lot of money. uh, And then it's dependent on the window and who's in charge because they'll go out and buy two or three players for $120 And then the next window, they go out and buy another set of players, but they'll potentially be in the same positions or they won't necessarily um, add to this uh, overall picture that we're really confused about when it comes to Everton and what they're trying to build at the moment. So I reckon we'll see Frank Lampard be given license to try and make mid-table this year. But if he's in 
danger of uh, putting Everton in and around relegation, then we could see the guillotine fall. He's actually doing better than I thought he would, Jacob. I thought he was uh, odds-on for for relegation and, and the sack race with Everton, but Everton are actually only behind Liverpool on goal difference. <laughs> That's a really backwards uh, way of slapping Liverpool around uh, again, uh, Ricardo. So thank you for that. Yeah, look, I think that speaks to the underperformance of Liverpool more than anything. I think they're intense at the moment, and um, they're already 14 points off Arsenal, which speaks to a bit of a, a not a crisis, but that confusion and uncertainty um, around Liverpool's performance at the moment. But that's where Everton, I think, are at the moment. They are what they are. They're a mid-table side, and that's got to be frustrating for Everton fans because of, as we said, that stadium that's coming and also the investment that's been put into this team. Um, So, again, a club that I think needs to stick to a vision, stick to the principles, and take people on the journey and give a manager time um, to really achieve that vision. I'm not sure if it's going to be Frank Lampard, um, but... We've seen that bear out with Mikel Arteta. The blueprint's there, and it's really clear. You just need to provide an investment and patience. Jacob Spoonley, always a pleasure catching up with you, mate, uh, and for your input on uh, what you saw over the weekend. Um, uh, I look forward to uh, doing that again in the future, mate. Keep up your good work on Sky as well. It's great. Thank you. Not a problem. Thank you very much, guys. Always a pleasure coming on. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.